hands together. That's praising the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know how you came in, but if you sing and you praise the Lord, you're going to leave differently than when you came in. That's the truth. That is the truth. If you were sad, the shackles will fall. If you were depressed, you'll leave here happy. If you were cold, you'll leave here hot. <laughs> praise the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you for being with us today. What a great day. Isn't it a great day? Come on, tell your neighbor, this is, this is a great day. A great day. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, I know you have a lot of responsibilities and things to do and places to go. But we always appreciate the fact that you carve out some time to be with us. And be with, be with us here live and on stage <laughs> and in this place. So thank you. We greet those that are watching us also over technology, the Internet, our Facebook audience, and our media people. Thank you for joining us on this very special Sunday. I, was I got up this morning. I was praying, pray for uh, several things. But I was also thinking in a few more weeks, March is over. Bye-bye, Coke. It's amazing, right, the things you think of. I went there. I said, oh, my goodness. And it's, uh, can't wait, can't wait, a few more weeks. But this is a good day because this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. There's an interesting thing about prayer, and that is oftentimes you will spend your energy and your time interceding, and or the, the word that's used in church circles is travailing placing your requests before the Lord. And wouldn't it be nice that, you know, uh, you know, you send a prayer up to the Lord and then, boom, answer's there. You know, it would be great that we would be able to exercise our faith in such a way that, you know, we ask for an economic blessing. And all of a sudden, you know, we don't have to go get the mail. The check in the mail comes up to our apartment. Wouldn't that be great? And we live almost on this, this expectation that we can do that. We can actually go before God and talk to him. And then automatically something will come right back because we pray and we come to church and we give. And we're probably 75, 80% good. And the part that isn't good, God makes up the difference. Grace, you needed to be here a few weeks ago when I preached that. Um, but I want to talk to you today not about the moment when you press the button and all heaven opens up and blesses you. And it's an instantaneous um, response from heaven. It's a sub-second response. When I was working on Wall Street and IBM, they used to be striving for sub-second response. The minute you press the button, the screen comes up with what you were requesting. I don't really want to talk about that so much. I want to talk today about those moments when you have to wait. I suspect you don't have to be very strong or spiritual to press the button and boom, it happens. But I suspect there needs to be a certain different dynamic inside of us when we have to wait. And as I look around the audience, I know some of your stories. And some of you have been waiting for months, years, decades. Seems like a lifetime. And yet that that you're asking is not coming. And it isn't that God changes because we understand very clearly he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yeah. He's immutable. Time doesn't affect him because time emanates from him. 
He's eternal, cosmic, if you want to use another word. So it isn't that he's changed. It isn't his attitude toward us hasn't changed because, as I've told you so often, I live convinced that God wants to bless me today. So I'm not saying, Lord, please, pretty, please, pretty, please bless me. I know he wants to bless me. So it isn't that God's changed, and certainly it isn't that our circumstances has changed. But I think there needs to be a certain maturation or development that needs to happen in our mind and in our hearts so that we can uh, wait. And I want to use the, the, the passage, the assigned passage for today is found in 1 Samuel. And I want to use that passage where Hannah was praying. Remember that story? And you read it because it was today's reading, so I'm sure you read it. And I want to use that passage to, um, to highlight some things of what we need to do while we wait. In fact, that's the theme that I have. Let me get my notes, because if I don't get my notes, I'll preach four hours. Well, let me leave it there. I mean, you, you deserve four hours of preaching right now. No, no. So let me get the notes so it'll keep me in, in line. But I want to talk to you a little bit about that, about what happens. You know, until it happens, until it, whatever it is, happens, what do we do? Until that husband changes, until that wife changes, until that child changes, until that home situation changes, what do we do while we wait? And the story found in 1 Samuel 1, 9 through 20 is interesting. It's part of the passage that we're assigned to read. And Hannah had been going through a torturous situation because here she is, the other wife, the Lord blessed her womb, and she was able to have children. But Hannah had a barren womb, and she suffered, and sometimes we may not, we may look at it from our, you know, our, our, our eyes today, but if we go back and look at the worldview back then, for a woman not to have a child was considered to be a curse from God. It almost seemed to be uh, someone that had been forgotten by God, because um, that was the worldview back then. So for her to now have a barren womb, and having a husband that she loved, and he loved her, and really wanting to do the right thing with her family and with her resources, and yet God wasn't responding. So she was in a, in a very difficult situation. Then to make matters worse, the other wife was badgering her. Wouldn't it be nice if people could just leave you alone? You know, it's, it's bad enough that things aren't working out, but when people tell you it's because, you know, whatever, they have all these reasons why, Things happen to you. And so this, this, the other wife was badgering her publicly, humiliating her, destroying her self-esteem, her sense of value that she had, intrinsic value in, yourself, in herself. And that kept wearing her down and wearing her down and wearing her down. And that was the dilemma. And then she prayed. And in the context of the reading of 1 Samuel, her prayer was, this was not the first prayer. This was a series of prayers. This is a journey in prayer, a journey in intercession, a sequence of times going before the Lord and doing the right thing. Because isn't prayer the right thing? You ask God. One of the things that fascinates me of the many, and this is Women's History Month, so I'm highlighting Hannah, is that she realized that there, and, and I, I want us to remember this, <clears throat> there are some things in life that only God can do. Doctors can't. Counselors can't. A support group can't. Medication can't. There's just certain things that only God can do. And she realized that. She realized that the only one that could intervene in her journey and help her navigate the craziness of where she was at while she waited until it happened 
was God. That's why she was praying. And in fact, let, let's open the text. I just want to read a few verses and then read along as I, as I build my case today. And hopefully you'll be blessed by this. 1 Samuel, 9, uh, 1 Samuel 1, verse 9 says, Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. You may want to underline that. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Continue saying in verse 12, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed. And one of the things that I, that I find fascinating about Hannah's prayer in those verses 9, uh, 10, and 11 that we just read is that you can see that she laced in her prayer a vow. She says, Lord, if you, for, well, one of the things that comes out, she was specific. She didn't want a daughter. Sorry, ladies. She wanted a son. And sometimes we need to be specific in what we're asking. Don't say, Lord, give me a husband, because you might get what you pray for. <laughs> then you got to come to counseling. That was not what I was asking for. Well, you said husband. It's a broad, broad the title there. And we see that Hannah was specific. And I, I want to suggest to you today that there's nothing wrong with being specific. Being specific and asking the Lord. In, in one of the books that, that uh, uh, Dr. Cho wrote, uh, on the, the, the one on the dimensions, he was talking about the bicycle he needed and he, uh, in order to do the work of pastoring. This is in Korea. And, and so what he did, he asked for a specific bike and a specific color. So there's nothing wrong, and that's what happened. He got the specific bike and a specific color. Now, I'm not applying this as a, as a, as a legalistic uh, point here. No, but sometimes there needs to be some specifics in what we ask of the Lord. And I, and I like this. I'm fascinated by the fact that she prayed before the Lord, and she was specific. Give me a son. But her prayer was laced with a commitment and a vow. She says, if you give me a son, I promise you, I vow, I commit, I sign on that line that I will give him back to you. That's what she's saying. Oh, you know, Lord, let me live near the church. I know Manhattan's expensive, but let me hit near the church. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord every once in a while. <laughs> oh, Lord, give me that job, because I wasn't able to give before, because, you know, it was, but this job. And how quickly we forget. Come on, say amen for the person next to you. Maybe it's not you. She made a vow before she saw what she wanted. Listen closely. Before, was she, before she received what she was claiming, she said, Lord, give me that, and I'm going to give it right back to you. Let me just say here, because I'm going to say it again at the end. Whatever you give to God, he'll throw it right back to you ten times. Oh, yes. He's not after your money. He's not after your house. He's not after your possessions. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. So whatever you yield to the Lord, you, in fact, giving to God, you never lose. You always win. You always win. And so we see here that she prayed with a vow. Keep your promises, church. 
Give me a job and I will. Give me an apartment nearby and I will. Give me a promotion and I will. I will, I will, I will, I will. When in reality we know we won't, we won't, we won't, we won't. We need to commit to God and pray with a level of commitment that is, in, uh, that, that, that is contractual. That there's no wiggle room out. Hannah was specific. Give me a son and I will give him back to you. So I want to submit to you today, those of you that are praying for a loved one and praying for a situation that's difficult. I want to submit to you. Maybe it isn't, Lord, give me my daughter back. Give me my uh, home back. Give me my job back. Lord, is give it to me so I can give it right back to you. I love you so much. I love you so much that I'm just going to surrender it right back to you. And you will truly be Lord. Uh, and you, you've heard me define this. The kingdom of God is the rule and authority of Jesus over your heart. The kingdom of God is not castles and buildings and titles. In, the in my preference in the New Testament is the kingdom of God being built is the rule and authority of God over my life. So it isn't about me striving for position or title or recognition of people. It's rather establishing in my heart a throne that only Jesus can sit there. So anything I get, I got from him, and I give it right back because I know he's just going to give it right back. He doesn't need anything from us. Hallelujah. So consider praying as Hannah did with a vow. Consider praying with, with, a, with a firm commitment. Lord, you give me a specific thing, and I will give him right back. In fact, she was a, a, a typical mom. She's saying, not only that, he's never going to have a razor on his head. She was already dictating to her son how he was going to live. Mom, learn to tell your kids no, and no means no. They're wearing pants down here. It's the, it's the guardian's fault. Stop saying amen. Yeah, we are in all this society, culture, society, or living poor. Listen, I grew up in the projects. There's 10 of us. None of us went to jail. It wasn't because we were afraid of the cops. We were afraid of mommy, papi. And at that time, the whole building raised you so the neighbor that would tell my mom and my dad what they saw. Wait till your father comes home were horrible words to hear. Come on, if that's you, say amen if you can. I'm giving you permission, church. Tell on the young people of this church. And tell on the older people, too. You see them getting out of line? Tell. Make sure you're right, though. Make sure you're living right. Hallelujah. And so she said, he's not born yet. I don't have him yet. But when he's born and he's mine, he's never going to have a razor touch his face. He's going to be Nazarene. All right? So pray with a vow. Number two in this observation, and I read a little bit of it, in verse, uh, the latter part of verse 11, or verse 12, rather, it says, as she kept on praying, and I like that kept on praying, because you got to pray and pray and pray until something happens. So she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli was observing her, her mouth. Now, watch this for a moment, because sometimes in your spiritual disciplines like prayer, people will misunderstand you. In fact, she was so wise that she wasn't even saying anything, just her mouth was moving. Because there's some prayers you should not let those words be audible. There's some prayers that people should not hear. Hmm? And so she's, she was praying, and Eli, and it's interesting to me because Eli in this caption, he, he's the religious leader. He's the, the guy that should know better. And when he saw her, he judged her and misjudged her. He said she must be drunk. That's what he said. She must be drunk, because look at the way she's mouthing like that. 
Just be prepared that as you pray, people will tell you this. Oh, if I were you, I would stop praying for him already. My goodness, how long have you been, how long have you been praying for this? All 21 days in January, you fasted and prayed? What do you, what? Keep praying. Make it 22 days. Make it 23 days. Don't give up praying. If you stop, your family goes down the tubes. Keep praying. You're the only thing holding the devil back. In fact, think of it this way. You're the one standing before the devil and your family. So stand firm. Stand firm because if you drop out, it's over for them. Come on, you can say hallelujah if you can. Just, just leave it in the hands of the Lord. Never mind what people say. You're praying too much. What are you doing in that church? Don't you know that church? They sing too long. They, they always stand up. They, whatever it might be. My father didn't come to the Lord till later on in his life, right? I mean, he lived all his life. And the reason he never came, because he always said, they always ask for money. My dad. So one day, and that's, you've heard it. Some of you, I'm looking around, some of you said that. Always ask for money. What happened? My father, my mother's praying, praying. My mother's praying. And I gave him a hard time praying. One day he goes to this church in Brooklyn. He has an encounter with the Lord. He met Jesus. He comes back. And my parents in this house, we came here in 1965, became one of the most consistent givers in this house. I learned how to tithe and give from my parents. Think about that for a moment. Sometimes you just need to let the Lord do what he's going to do and not listen to the complaints of the people and go, what are you doing in that church? I'm doing the right thing in this church. That's what you need to tell them. You should go too. I'm going there because I need to have the Lord touch my life. Yeah, but has anything changed in your life? No, but it will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray even if you're misunderstood. Hannah mouthed what was in her heart, what she was feeling. In fact, Eli was so moved by her apparent drunkenness that he called her and reprimanded her. I think that's crazy. Here she is in the house. And the other thing I want you to note in this text, it doesn't appear that she was with her support group praying. It appears that she was by herself. By herself. Sometimes things are easier to do when a group is doing it, but we've got to get to a place where we start being by ourselves with God. Men that are here, I know we talked about a lot of women. It's women's history. You've got to be the spiritual leader of your home. You've got to step up and be the priest of the home and be the spiritual leader of your home. And be the one that's praying, that's leading in prayer, that's leading in the light of God shining in. And and, uh, women that are here uh, uh, that have children and have a home and and there's no husband in your house, you you step in and be that light. But you, might, you want, might be understood. He misunderstood her. He reprimanded her. Maybe we should stop the loud voice and let our hearts speak our desires before the Lord because he hears the desires of our heart. People might eventually forget what you say, but they will always remember the intentions of your heart. Always. And we need to move forward. And Eli, who should have known better, all of a sudden come and reprimanded a woman that did not need reprimanding. She probably needed somebody spiritual to sit, to, to kneel down with her and pray along with her situation. So don't be deterred by those that try to stop you. Don't be deterred by those that try to dissuade you or discourage you. You seek after the Lord. So until it happens, pray with a vow. Pray, pray with a level of commitment. Pray daily. Pray uh, uh, with dedication. Give, pray giving back what God, uh, promising to give back what God uh, is giving you. Pray even if people don't understand you. But, but look at this one. This was, this was going to help you too. Verses uh, 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 15 and 16. It says in the text that Eli confronted her 
and told her, you know, stop this drinking. Put away your wine, he told her. Right? Put away your wine. But verse 15 says the following. Her response, and I love her response because her response was not disrespectful. Obviously, Eli was wrong. But she didn't go, what do you talk to us? Talk to the hand. Get out of my face. What's wrong with you? No. She was respectful. And I want to encourage you today. They might call us city dwellers, and they might think whatever they want to think. But there's nothing wrong with teaching, uh, treating people firmly with dignity and with respect. The golden rule says that I should treat people the way I expect to be treated. I learned that at Royal Rangers. Matthew 7, 12. The golden rule. And I like her response. She says, not so, my Lord. She didn't say, not so, hypocrite, not so, whatever, my Lord. She was recognizing him. He had gotten it wrong, needed correction, but she did it the right way. And I want to encourage you to explore that. And then Hannah replied, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Listen to this. This is, this is powerful. Do not take your servant for a wicked, a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Look at this. Look, look, look at this. She wasn't praying on the, this victory, victory is mine. She wasn't praying from this place of the light shining brightly and she's walking on water. She is declaring, I'm praying from a place of anguish, Hallelujah. of pain. And I, I want to submit to you that sometimes our most effective prayers emerge from a place of great anguish and great pain. We think that what gets to God is if I pray a King James Version prayer and have all my wording right and I can I make sure that the sentence structure is so grammatically correct that Shakespeare would say, that's the way you speak. God doesn't care if you start in English and then in Spanish and then lace in there some words that are ubonics. Or whatever it might be, God is looking for the voice coming out of your heart. Listen to me closely. Hallelujah. And she prayed from her anguish. She was not denying. Denial is a horrible thing. It will make you believe that you're greater than what you really are when you're really not great at all. <laughs> she said, I'm in anguish. I'm still talking to you. But I'm talking to you from a place of pain. I still love you. But I'm talking because my heart is troubled. We, we think that God can't handle that. Maybe our friends can't handle it and family members can't handle it, but God can handle it. When you come clean and you say, Lord, I don't like where I'm at right now. I don't like the sorrow I feel right now. I don't like the pain that is accompanying my situation. I don't like the fact that I've been praying and praying and praying and I don't hear you answering. But I still love you. You're getting this. This is important. Because sometimes what we do is we shut down. And we said, well, he hasn't answered me yet. What are you going to do until it happens? you got to wait and trust the Lord until it happens. Amen. Our having a tantrum is not going to change the situation. Our having a tantrum is actually going to affect us even more. And she was able to not deny that she was in anguish and pain and in confusion. Come on, church. How many times have we been there? Frustrated. Discouraged. You ever prayed from a place of pain? Hallelujah. I'm of the, the, the persuasion that sometimes those are the most effective prayers because there's no fooling around there. You're coming clean. You say, I don't like this, Lord. I don't like this right now. 
just take this pain away. Just touch my heart. You've prayed that. Oh, Lord, I'm going through this trial, this, this situation, this horrible moment of grief and sorrow and confusion. I haven't slept. That never happened because problems, they take away your sleep too. I haven't slept. And you pray, Lord, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to even ask. I don't know what language to use to communicate the, 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 the devastation I feel in my heart. But I love you and I trust you. And I know although I don't understand, you do. Come on, say, say praise the Lord or do something with me here today. We need to get to a place like Hannah that we're able to pray through our anguish. She prays. She says, I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm just deeply troubled. I haven't lost my faith. I'm just a, a and I'm not a wicked woman. And I'm not a, a, out, of, a, out of kilter with you. I'm just in great anguish and great grief. A healthy person realizes where they are emotionally. Hallelujah. I'm always afraid of people. How are you? Ask them on Monday. How are you? Oh, victory. The devil's in trouble because I really love the Lord. I'm... And you ask them Wednesday. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. And you ask them Sunday. They're like, you're like, after, like the, after the first week, I like, life can't be that nice. And you say, Pastor, what are you doing? Busting their bubble? No, dosing them, bathing them with reality. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but you know, you snub your toe. Sometimes uh, the thought of another word comes out of our mouth, or, our, or is registered in our minds. You don't go, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, wonderful, Hallelujah, glory to God. Come on, if that's you, you something's wrong. Come on, yeah, we're talking about your neighbor, not about you. The stuff, stuff is going on in your life. We gotta pray through that anguish and get through. Correct those that judge you wrongly, but correct them correctly. Don't let them get away with uh, making these assumptions on you. Remain committed to spiritual disciplines. Just the fact that he called her a drunk did not stop her from praying. You might want to write that down. Just because he, the man of God, called her a drunk did not stop her from praying. Remain committed to spiritual disciplines. But look at this uh, other observation, because I mentioned to you pray with a vow. Pray even if you're misunderstood. Pray through your anguish. God will sort that through and hear the pleas of your heart. But also, church, we need to live confident that something is going to happen. Now, this one, this part here requires a lot of faith. Verse 17 says, Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, this is Hannah, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went, and you want to underline this, she went away, ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. Early next morning, she went and worshipped. Then she went back home and went to bed with her husband. Got your attention now, huh? That's what it says. Look, 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 look. It says, it's on the screen. You shouldn't be embarrassed about this. Is it all right? It's got to be spiritual because it's in the Bible. It's got to be healthy because it's in the Bible, done the right way. Because you notice I said, with her husband. 
Let me just pause for a moment. Let that sink in. Okay, you can say amen now. Let me read it again. When he came up, she said, he told her, go in peace. He blessed her. And then she went away and ate something. Here's the point I want to make here. We need to, even though you're going through your stuff, don't get yourself in a little corner in a fetal position and say, I just want to die. Sometimes the things we need to do is get back to the regular course of living. Can you trust God enough that even though you don't have the answer to your prayer, that you can go ahead and keep on living? Sometimes we get so focused on the situation and it really is lacking trust in God that you surrender your, your prayer request to the Lord, leave it in His hands, and then she went on living. She went, she got up. You know, sometimes what you need to do when you're going through situations, take a shower, do your hair, get a massage, put, back, put your brand new shoes on, go out. It was cold this morning, right? Real cold. Some of us may have thought of not leaving. Staying home, because it's warm at home, right? But for some of us, including like me, I got up this morning, and I, as I was coming to the place, I saw somebody in the corner, and they don't know who, you know, that I'm a pastor here. They, now they know it, but they didn't know it before this morning. And she says, oh, you're all dressed up. I says, yes, I am. And then she says to me, I hope they let you out early. <laughs> I think she was speaking the congregation's wishes for today. I'm going to preach four hours. <laughs> and I told her, no, no, my, my day is, my whole week is Sunday. You know, everything is, we start and then we just stay. And then she says, wow, what do you, then I told her, I, I go to that church, you should visit us. So who knows, she'll, she'll come in. But my point in saying that is it was cold. I'm Caribbean. Puerto Ricans don't like the cold. But you got to do what you got to do. Hallelujah. Got to get up. Got to get moving. And it's not that I didn't want to be here. I wanted to be here. But my point is saying that is that even if the elevator is a mess or not working, you got to go. I, I travel a lot on MTA now. I do the F train and all the trains. And I go on Google and they tell me what station to get off. And I got mixed up the other day with Bleecker and Broadway Lafayette. It's the same station. And that, I have forgotten. When I, the last time I did that was when I was in college at Baruch. And it, I got mixed up, so I ended up going to the wrong station. And, and I'm, I don't know about you, but I, can't, I, I have to be very methodical. I, know where be, I have to know where it begins and when it ends. So when they make the announcement, the F train is now running on the 8th Avenue line, I went. <laughs> I don't know about you. Know, you know what I do? When a case like that happens, because I'm not afraid of the subway. I like riding the subway because I love to see the diversity in New York. And I just watch people. I say, wow, it's amazing, the people I have to minister to. Look, the other day I was in the train, and somebody looks at me and greets me. I didn't know who they were at all, but they worship here. I said, whoa, God bless you. I see it. So it's nice. But when they put the F train on the 8th Avenue line, I get confused. Anybody else here with me? I don't know about you, but I like walking. So you know what I typically do is get to the ground. I don't, I don't want to get lost on the ground. I don't mind getting lost above ground, but underground. So I go up and I'll walk and take a cab or something else. Now, why was I saying that whole story? <laughs> Let me get back to my notes here. Oh, because if you take me out of my routine, it, it rattles me. It rattles me. Otherwise, things can't be accomplished in my, the, way, in my, the way I look at it. I've got to have it. It's a 15-minute meeting. It's a 16-minute meeting. I had a pastor friend of mine that told me, make counseling sessions 28, meeting, 28 meetings. Why? He says, because a half hour, they'll think an hour, but 28 minutes, they think minutes. 
regimented. We have to trust the Lord and get back to the routines of our life. Got to get up in the morning and do what we have to do. Have to go to work. You have to take care of the kids. Doesn't matter how you feel. You've seen that commercial about the father that's sick and opens the door to the little boy. He says, today I'm sick. I'm going to take the day off. Yeah. You've seen that commercial? It doesn't happen. Oh, Billy, I can't beat you. i got a sore throat. The kid looks at him like, you're crazy? You're my father. you got to make questions. <laughs> Bacon and eggs. Come on. Get on it. We don't have choices in life. We get hit. We get knocked down. But we have to get back up. Many times things don't, because you burned the last rice, does that mean you're never going to eat rice again? No, you make it over again. Yes? Yes? And what we need to get to a place, and that's what Hannah did. Hannah, she was still, and you know what's interesting with her? In her prayer, nothing changed. She didn't hear God telling her. She's heard Eli, who just insulted her. Now he's giving her an encouraging word. The same guy that insulted her is now encouraging her. Go in peace. That's what he told her. He didn't even tell her, yeah, you're going to have a son. I'm prophesying. No, nothing. He just kind of dismissed it. I got 28 minutes are over. Let's go. <laughs> nothing changed. But she get back. And I'm going to submit to you the following. That sometimes in taking the steps of life, although you don't see it, although you don't trace it, although nothing appears to change, there's work being done in the heavenly realm with a blessing with your name on it. And it isn't here, it's over there. So if he delivers it over there and you're here, you're never going to be able to enjoy what was prepared for you in the heavenly. So I have to walk in the routine carrying my pain, carrying my disappointment, carrying my discouragement, carrying me, I need more prayer warriors and the complaining that we do. I feel so terrible, I don't want to get up, my leg still hurts, my eyes are still bothering me. But as I journey, I'm going to submit to you that in your journey, the blessing will appear. It happened to her. It says that she got up. And she did what she did. And she went with her, how many times has she been with her husband? But this time was special. Be nice if it was always special, but this time was special. It was special because something was happening in the And look at this. The blessing, the answer, ooh, the answer to her prayer was nine months away. But she didn't know it. Oh, this summer, get ready. I don't think, I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to have a baby, but the job, the house, the promotion, the blessing, the new sound system. Come on. Hallelujah. Sometimes we, we, you know what it is that we're so used to hearing the microwave turn. We throw the stuff in the microwave, let it turn. At least we know it's running. We know it's percolating. But what? Can you, do, can you believe the Lord even if you don't hear the sound? You don't see the cloud? You don't hear the storm? There seems to be ambiguous. It's ambiguous the way the Lord wants to unwrap it for you. I love this passage. This passage teaches. This passage, this portion. It says that, that she got up, she, he, he blessed her, and then she went on. She went up and, and ate something and washed her face and was no longer downcast. And then the next morning, she arose and she went to worship. When they, and people do this when they get all depressed and everything. They stay away from church. This is the place you need to be in. Amen. Hallelujah. You need to be here. And they worship before the Lord. And then she went back home and she went there. And then, and I love this part, the last part of verse uh, 19 it says that after she, because it says here that she made love to, he made love to his wife, Hannah. And then it says, then the Lord 
remembered her. You see the last phrasing of that in the NIV? Then the Lord remembered. And the word remember there is it does not connote that God forgot. God does not forget. This is simply a rendition of the divine so that we as human, frail human beings can understand God's intent. So the word does not describe deity, God, because God does not forget. So it's not remember because he just happened. But rather, and you, if you look at the, 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 the background of the word remember, if you take away the prefix re, R-E, and you also take away uh, um, the, 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 uh, the, the end of the word, E-D, you'll see the, the word there, member. And it really is remember is God putting it back together again. A piece from here, a piece from there. Remember when the guy was on the cross, the Lord told, he said to the Lord, remember me? He was just telling the Lord, put me back together again. Humpty Dumpty stand on a wall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not, but Jesus Christ can put your life back together again today. But I want you to notice this, because I want to get back to the biblical. The Lord put her back together as she went through the cycle of her life. And I want to encourage you today, don't get paralyzed by that problem. Don't get paralyzed. While you wait, keep living. While you wait, keep serving. While you wait, keep worshiping the Lord. While you wait, even though you're depressed, sing the songs of Zion. And celebrate the Lord, even though the answer has not come. Don't go by your feelings, because your feelings will, 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 dis, will, will uh, derail you. Go by what you know. God is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he will, he will work in the schedule that he wants to work. Live the life that God has placed you. Get away from that depression. In fact, when they're doing therapy on you, psychologists and therapists will always try to find someone, for example, that is suicidal. Rather than leave them there like that, one of the, the interventions that is done is they try to find something concrete or an anchor to be able to uh, cement that person in that concrete anchor so that the person won't hurt themselves. Most people that declare that they're going to commit suicide ultimately do not, but some people do. And what, uh, what, what therapists do is they sit down with the person to try to assess whether the person is really suicidal or just basically vocalizing things in the, that are, are in her or his heart, but in reality are not going to do that, but they can't take the chance uh, that the person will not. So here's what they do. One of the devices that they do, what they do is they try to find concrete things in their lives. All right, so you're feeling down and, you're, and they... What's your plan? Then now they know they have a plan, and they say, you know what? Let's do this. Let's do this. This is the therapist speaking to the person. Let's do this. Tomorrow, come, I'm going to be here at 12 tomorrow. So I want you to put this down. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be waiting for you. So you come back and talk to me again tomorrow. Something like that. Or you have to go take, pick up the kids at school, right? They, if you don't pick them up, nobody picks them up. So you got to go. Why don't you pick them up? Anchor. Future. They know they have to do that, regardless of how you feel. You have to act like a mom or a dad right now, a responsible adult. you got to take care of the kids. And then we'll connect later on. That's simply an anchor to hold a person so that they don't hurt themselves. And they give them an anchor, cementing it. In our lives, that's what we need to do. While we wait, keep living. Got to pick up the kids. Got to feed them. Got to clothe them. Got to have to go to work. Got to go through your cycles of life. Got to take care of home. You're going through your situation and you're married. In this case, take care of your spouse. Take care of your children. Even in the middle of your despair, God has not delivered you yet from your compulsive behaviors, from your addictions. 
You know, we have to walk life oftentimes limping because we have stuff. How many people have stuff in their lives that God has, you know, God wants to deliver and clean you, but you still have to carry some stuff? Huh? Can we still live? Can we still serve? In fact, I want to crush your, crush your view. If you're waiting to be 100% to then come to the Lord, that day will never come. If you're waiting for God to fix everything so that then you'll... No. Can you trust Him enough with the difference? Can you trust Him enough that I love you, you know my heart, I don't like the way this is going, I don't like the way even I feel. But I'm going to continue in my daily journey walking toward you because I know the blessing is coming. I don't know how it's going to appear. She did not know. But God remembered. And I'm here to tell you today, and I'm going to close now and we're going to pray. Right now, God is remembering your situation. Right now. There is a divine fabrication taking place at this moment for the gift. I like the ending of the story where it says that once she got this gift, she gave it back to the Lord. And I want to just wrap around to what I said in the beginning. And there's a tremendous blessing. And once you have received from the Lord, that you surrender that back to, to God. You'll never lose, but you'll always win. Let's stand up throughout the sanctuary. Every head be bowed and, and I close. And I feel strongly to call you up to the altar. But let every head be bowed and I close. And in the stillness of this moment, the Lord spoke to you. There are things that were expressed here today that it was the Lord peering into your heart. I want you to be very brave right now, very brave. And just step out of your seat and come and stand here with me. I want to pray a special prayer over your life specific about you. You've been waiting. There is anguish in your heart. You wish things would change and they have not. In fact, you might be running out of patience. Make your way down the aisles. Let's stand together. I want to encourage you. The gift is coming. gift is coming. Might not be the way you want it or when you want it, but the gift is coming. Trust the Lord. Let not your heart be troubled. John 14. Trust the Lord. It isn't about feeling happy at this moment. It's about feeling convicted Professionals can't help you any longer. Get back to living. Laugh again. Enjoy life again. As you wait until it happens. Love on your other children. Love on your family. Take care of yourself while you wait. God is fabricating the answer. In the cosmic and heavenly realm, God is putting together a special package just for you. 